0: Welcome everybody. Welcome everybody (laughs) to episode. Is it twenty
1: two or is it twenty three? I don't. It says twenty two, but I think we're falling behind. I don't. But I don't remember twenty two. I would remember twenty two. You know why? Because those were my high school glory days. That was my number in high school. Put me in, coach. (laughs) We would have won states if coach had just put me in. Actually, I got declared ineligible
0: right before the first game.
1: So I practiced all all the year before, all summer long. And then right before the first game, I became ineligible. Why? What happened? Well, in Texas, they have very strict um, recruiting rules. And because I didn't have any parents, technically, I had I didn't have parents who lived in the district. Uh. So, you know, they... Used to, They had that rule so that you couldn't play, you know, for another team, another school yeah. away from where you live. So um, the team, even though it was only one A, which was the, the smallest 11 man team, they were the year before I went to Texas, they were state champs. Wow. And they actually went back uh, to
0: the state championship game the next year, but lost. See, so we, uh, we made it to the, was it the semifinals, I guess the game yeah. before when I was a senior, was I a junior? I forget. We made it, we were good. We like my freshman year, the, uh, you know, obviously I played freshman football, but the, the uh, varsity team sucked. <laughs> then we got a new coach and, um, I forget if that was my sophomore year or my junior year. But for two or three of those years, we got this new this new coach in, Coach Smith, and we were good. We went to the yeah. playoffs every year. And then the year after I graduated, they went to, I think, the state final game and lost. Uh, yeah, I remember it was a lot of fun. You know, we
1: would get uh, like these charter buses. Now, you got to remember, this is such a rural yeah. community where like China Spring didn't even have... Uh, uh, like a, a main street or anything like that. I don't even know if the town had a spot, uh stoplight. <laughs> so it was, it was quite an experience for me coming from, you know, New York and, yeah. and living in those areas. And every time we'd play a team, it would be driving to a whole other city or a town. Yeah. Really. Texas is
0: huge. Yeah. You know, here, like, there's a high school down the street over <laughs> here, right. and then up the road <laughs> yeah. right here is a whole nother town with a different high school, you know, the, yeah. uh, Hazlitt or whatever. Is right 2.30, there. you
1: can't move around yeah. these parts oh, it's between insane. the junior high school, to high school, the grade school kids. It, yeah. It's it's a nightmare. you think rush hour was bad.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Enough with the Back to the podcast. <laughs> Man, what do you know? We've been going for 45 minutes already. Um... Let's get right into it. Let's get into the beer of the week. All right.
1: All right. We got an Irish import today. Mm. Mac Nutty. Macadamia Nut Brown Ale.
0: We've had this out in the snow. If you're yeah. uh, if you're watching, well, right above my head, you can kind of see a little bit of snow out there. Yeah. But had these stuffed in the uh in the snow bank. Contains I, nuts. Yeah. Macadamia. Loft. No, there's probably some yeah. Irish way yeah, to say it. I was,
1: I was waiting for you to try and Loft say it.
0: Gil. Yeah. L-O-U-G-H-G-I-L-L brewery. Yeah. Sligo, Ireland. Yeah, I didn't know how to say any of those words. I know we have a couple Irish <laughs> listeners out there, so please uh, let us know how you say that. Yeah. Roasted. Uh, they roast the macadamia
1: nuts in their own kitchen along with top, top quality malt tops. For a rich, nutty flavor and luxurious dark brown color. Mm. I think I'm going to like this. Luxurious.
0: It's got a squirrel on it, too, which is very (sighs) beautiful. Oh,
1: cheers. I like this label. It's got some
0: texture to it. Yeah, good grip. It's good. Not nearly as cold as I thought it would no. be from sitting in the snow for like uh, an hour. Yeah. And it was in the fridge all day. Well, what are we going to do? Yeah, man. It's a tough life. <laughs> we'll get back to this later on.
1: <laughs> right now, it's it's uh, your turn for tool of the week.
0: Ah, yes. Yeah. I already I already
1: lost track of what the hell we were doing. <laughs> Just one sip in. <laughs> That's what happened. You know, you t- Jeff turned 32 over the weekends. Yeah. Yeah. The, the the gray cells start to diminish.
0: Man, I found this back hair like coming off of my shoulder last night <laughs> that is like it's white.
1: Yeah. Well white hair, that's all part of the look. Yeah. <laughs> I used to have black hair. Yeah, my beard. I'm starting to get a lot of gray in my beard.
0: Anyway. So for this week, I uh picked a little something that I've been wanting to get for a long time and finally got uh about a week ago, maybe. Yeah. Actually, courtesy of our buddy Manny sent us a nice little gift. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I got this from KC Tool. This is a little cross peen hammer from Picard, Hold Holder yeah. Picard, uh, which is a German company. Uh has, you know, like, a looks like an ash handle, long, thin handle. And it's just a little, I don't even know how many ounces this is. I think it's only like two or three ounces yeah. with a, uh, you know, a flat face side and then like a, I guess this is the peen the peen. I don't know yeah it's like a chisel shape. Yeah. Um honestly I don't know what you use that for, but I've been using this to um adjust my spoke shave mm-hmm. irons. Um I use it to tap in some T nuts and some stuff. So it's just a nice little delicate hammer. Yeah you know I would go for that i mean it, i'm all about the finesse
1: yeah i mean it's nice you can
0: choke up on it and you have a lot of control mm-hmm. or i mean you get a lot of uh a lot of power out of a little thing like this i guess handles nice and long yeah like you get what is it you get a lot of head speed with like a long handle mm-hmm. so like you can get a lot of power behind it if you needed it um i don't know it's like you want to like go out and like uh crack open fossils with this backside it,
1: it almost reminds me of like uh to do metal work you know some body work yep. you could tap out some yeah dents and things with it
0: yeah i know like they use like ball peen hammers and stuff for that mm-hmm. so it must be i guess this is a, called a cross peen because it's just ah. like a looks like a like a blunt chisel it
1: does yeah yeah i like it i like that um those are the kind of tools that after you've used them for a while they they just get better
0: yeah yeah and you know the real reason I got it is to adjust the spoke shaves mm-hmm. because you really just want to give a little tap on the blade to advance it because there's no like a uh, wheel adjustment like there is on a regular plane. Right. So you could tap the corners and put a little skew on it. And it's nice with a spoke shave to have like one side heavy and one side light. So you yeah. can do a finishing cut in a, in a, and you need that cut. metal head. Yeah. Not the plastic one. Yeah. So. The, like a mallet doesn't work. Yeah. There's no finesse to that. Like no. this, you can really, yeah. um, just tap and fine-tune. I I used it a bunch for that already. So it's one of those things where I'm sure I'm just gonna continue to find Yes. Yeah. I could see being good for the uh even though we have the little tool, the sleeves for mm-hmm. the shelf pins. Oh yeah. Even yeah. even hitting the little tool. Yeah. Um, because this it's I don't know what it is. It just it's easy in the hand, like with just like a little movement of your wrist, you can really tap. Yeah. Tap some stuff. Looks like it's got good control. You know, it's got a small little head on it. Yeah. And yeah. it's got a super long handle. Like the yeah. handle's like 13 or 14 inches long.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, when you hold it on the end, you can really feel that it it provides just the right amount of...
0: Uh... Yeah. Like imagine doing that with the rubber mallet, yeah. even the little yeah. Simplex 30. Yeah. Shout out to the Simplex 30. <laughs> uh, I don't know. There's just something about it. Yeah. So if you have uh any need to adjust spoke shaves or you have other if you have Japanese style chisels, yeah. Uh, I was between like the Japanese little um I forget the name of it. They have a, a little hammer.
1: Right, for adjusting a plane. Yeah, and it stuff. doesn't
0: have a, a peen on the back, it's just like a rectangular head with a usually one face is flat and one is convex. Um I forget the name. Starts with a D, I think. Dogu or something like that. That sounds. I was familiar. between getting one of those and getting one of these, and I ended up going with this one. I'm totally yeah, it was happy a good with choice. it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So if you have uh, a need for some sort of like finesse type of tool, that's
0: really what it's for. Yeah. You know? Tacks stuff like that. It's almost like a tack hammer with yeah no, with no uh, magnet or whatever. Yeah. My uncles on. were upholsterers.
1: Yeah. I grew up around those magnetic hammers. Yeah. As a kid, those were the coolest things. They would have the tacks in their mouth, and they would just back and forth with the hammerhead. Yeah.
0: that was like the guys that used to do the lath in in the houses. Oh yeah, They yeah. would just put them in their mouth, and then uh, a lot of those guys ended up with mouth cancer because <laughs> oh, you know the the nails had I don't know lead in Probably them or lead. something. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, oh, we'll have a link in the description as we always do. You can check it out. Um, oh, the Halder Picard little cross peen hammer. Yeah. Well, we're going to, we're going to go from the, the
1: light and, uh, you know, not, not too serious to straight to the gripe of the week. You got a serious one this week? Yeah. It's serious, man. It's not petty. <laughs> no, this is not petty. Uh, as Jeff alluded to, we had a, a good snowstorm here in the Northeast. Uh, we got off. Pretty easy compared to some neighboring towns. What did we get? Maybe 10 inches?
0: Yeah. Our buddy Tim up there in North Jersey, True Trade, got about 30 inches of snow. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But um, this is my gripe. I, you know, get out there. Now, in New Jersey, they have these strict rules. You got to plow your sidewalks and access for mail and everything like that, which is only the right thing to do. Yeah. Otherwise, they'll give you a a fine. Mm Mm-hmm. So I do all that, and then they come and they plow the streets, three, four, five times, which I guess is a good thing. But the apron in my driveway is about four feet deep in snow,
0: and it's a block of
1: ice. Yeah, yeah, it, it's it's impossible to get through yeah. because we have these you know freeze thaw cycles where it just turns into a four foot wide iceberg at the edge of my driveway
0: yeah like i've tried to bust them up even with like a metal <laughs> shovel and it's hard no you can't see the problem is here we don't get that much snow so they don't have like the infrastructure in place but like you know places like upstate new york they'll they'll have uh one of those snowblower kind of trucks with right. a truck a truck next to it or behind it and it just dumps the snow into a, a dump truck and they go dump it somewhere
1: right here they just Pushing it right into everybody's property.
0: Yeah, so the street I live on, we only have one parking space, so my wife always parks there. I park on the street. So I went out twice during this storm. Once, you know, it started snowing uh, Sunday night, maybe, what, five, six o'clock? Maybe, yeah, maybe oh, a little, a little bit earlier, yeah. yeah. So late afternoon, Sunday, started snowing. Then uh, Monday morning around nine o'clock, I went outside. We had about five inches of snow at that point. So I shoveled the shovel, the drive, the, uh, around my wife's car in the driveway, a little path, the, the side, the, uh, walkway up to the door, the porch and like all the way around my truck. So it's completely clear. (laughs) So you could walk. Yeah. (laughs) Then I did that again at like four o'clock, which the bulk of the snow had fallen at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so then I wake up, uh, was it Tuesday morning yesterday? And they had plowed, like the one side of my truck, it plowed it completely in. So like you couldn't even get to the, but there's nothing you can do. I, no. mean,
1: I, I mean, I'll tell you, living in Brooklyn, they would plow, like, your car would disappear. You know? You'd have to chip your car mm-hmm. and try not to dent your car or scratch it.
0: Yeah, yeah. I always managed to hit it with a shovel. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, and you know, my truck, I just got that new truck.
1: So that's my big know. gripe of the week. I mean, I I dread it. I dread these snowstorms. I really hate it. Yeah. Um, and there's no there's no way around it. They have to plow the street and they don't they just they go about it the cheapest way possible, which is just blasting down the street yeah. and shooting that that stuff four feet off to the side. Um, and I'm sure I'm not alone in that gripe, but there you go. Here's my gripe. We're going to get on to the questions of the week now. <laughs> you got a good bit of questions this week. Yeah. This first one, I was surprised to see it's from uh, somebody that's in a town real close. I mean, it's, yeah. it's almost a neighboring town. Matawan, New Jersey. It's from Aaron Lyle. And he's asking, what was your first woodworking project you can
0: remember? Um. Well... I guess loosely defining woodworking when I was a finished carpenter, um, I guess the first thing I ever did that even resembles woodworking is like, you know, built in shelving and stuff. Mm -hmm. So the first, first job I ever worked on, so as a finished carpenter, obviously I came in on this first job and I was there for a good amount of time because, um, you know, if you've ever worked on a on a custom home as a finished carpenter, you're there doing a lot of trim. We had all kinds of work in this house. Uh, you know, it was custom milled trim and and faux beams, beadboard, all this stuff. And uh, I did the closets. Oh, yeah. On yeah. the second floor. Not that one I showed you. That was my first like big closet. <laughs> but this was just like, you know, cleats with plywood shelves with hardwood fronts. <laughs> um, and I just remember like trying to figure out how to fit And this house was from the, I don't know, maybe the thirties or something. Granted we were redoing it, but you know, these closets weren't square. So I'm trying to figure out how to fit, you know, three quarter inch plywood shelves into these whacked out, out of square little, you know, closets where the door is only 20 inches wide. So you're trying to get in there and (laughs) and fit it all in. Um, And I don't have like bad memories about it, about it being like, you know, overwhelming or anything, but just that it was hard and that I had to figure out how to do yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, from, uh, from what we do now, my beginnings were very, uh, modest. <laughs> <laughs> weren't,
0: weren't they all for all of us yeah, my, for the most part. Yeah,
1: my first project that I remember was to build a TV stand. I was living in an apartment in San Francisco and I wanted a stand to put my TV on. And it was like, remember those big ones with the tubes out the back? And everything, like, oh, you know, yeah, yeah, pic- yeah. And the VCR underneath. Oh, you were living large. Yeah. So it was the design was essentially just a cube with a shelf. And I had to cut it all with a handsaw. <laughs> what kind of yeah. material? <laughs> plywood, three quarter oh, okay. inch Plywood. Yeah, I cut it all with a handsaw. Oh saw. man, cutting plywood with a handsaw <laughs> sucks. <laughs> and I had no drill or screws or anything—all like hammer and nails. And what I remember now is not knowing how important the back is. Oh to
0: yeah. The <laughs> This thing just just yeah, rack yeah, over and collapsed. Yeah,
1: yeah. It didn't collapse, but I couldn't quite figure out why. You know, it would it was sway from back and forth. You know, so you had to put the TV on there in just the right spot. Yeah, uh, I didn't realize the back is what would hold it all together. Well, that's you like know? your house.
0: <laughs> what's holding your house together is the plywood sheathing. <laughs> yeah. It's not the studs. Yeah, because without that plywood, your house is just gonna fall over.
1: Yeah, so that that was it. And I, I remember I painted it. Painted it red. <laughs> what kind of plywood? Like finished plywood? No, no, like, like CDX, CDX kind of plywood. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. That's something else. That's what I remember. So, listen, it, it, if I can do it, anybody can do yeah, it. Yeah.
0: You got to start somewhere.
1: Yeah. That was a good question. A little trip, another trip down memory lane.
0: Yeah. Uh, here's one we got from Jimmy C. This came in through the website. If you guys didn't know, um, if you're listening and you don't have an Instagram or a YouTube or anything, um, you can always go to our website, greenstreetjoinery.com, and and go to the contact page. Or at the bottom of the homepage, there's an email uh, thing where you can drop us an email or send us an email, greenstreetjoinery at gmail.com. Uh, if you have a question, you want to put it in that way. Uh, so Jimmy C. wants to know, I do woodworking as a hobby that I love, and it's a stress reliever slash mental break from my day job. What do you guys do as a mental break or stress re- relief from your job as business owners and woodworkers? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, it, to tell you the truth, we don't have
1: a lot of stress lately. No. Uh, I think it's part of our outlook. Jeff and I are generally pretty positive. And um, I think that's just built into our DNA. If, if some there's a problem facing us, we're more uh, oriented toward just getting a solution yeah. and, and charging ahead. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so there's not a lot of stress that way. Um, and Jeff's pretty young, so he's still got a lot of energy. I'm sure, you know, like when I was Jeff's age, I used to do woodworking even when I wasn't... Um, you know, working on the job. Now I play music. Mm-hmm. That's a great diversion. Uh, I get massage regularly. Mm. That's that's always a goodie. Um, and I think, you know, just trying to take things a day at a time without, you know, that's not the uh, the 12-step one day at a time <laughs> thing. It's just like, you know. Read a know. lot of self-help books. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. That's the thing. I'm gonna help myself. That that's like, you know, that's like. If I broke my leg, I wouldn't set it myself. Yeah, me neither. So, I think, I think you go. You're walking up the wrong tree if that's yeah. where you're you're looking for your
0: your mental health cues. I don't pull my own teeth, do my own taxes, or uh, self-diagnose my mental illness
1: Yeah, I got a professional for that. <laughs>
0: yeah i mean i'd agree like i i really don't have a lot of stress i get acute stress you know i think that's a a good way to put it like there are times when i am stressed but i don't i'm not stressed all the time which if you are um you know probably reevaluate what you you got going (laughs) on yeah i know it's it's uh easier said than done a lot of times but um there's a we have a question later on that touches on like hobbies and stuff so i guess i won't get too deep into that but um for me, it's just like sort of uh, relax. I like alone time if I'm stressed. Like oh, I don't want yeah. anybody to bother me. I don't want my wife talking to me <laughs> or like yeah. I have a two, year, two and a half year old son. Like if he's taking a nap or something, like just chill out, Yeah, veg out on the couch. What maybe watch a YouTube video or um, I'm a big YouTube watcher, not necessarily woodworking, but all kinds of weird stuff. Uh, read a book, whatever, something like that. Yeah, I, I can uh, second that. I I need my
1: alone time, you know, yeah. like even like an hour a day, uh, like after, after we close up the shop, take a shower, eat dinner. I like to spend a good hour alone. Mm-hmm. Uh, I usually take it up to about 730. I like watching Jeopardy. Mm. And, uh, you know, some days I'm king of the world. Some days I heard <laughs> I'm that. does.
0: Ken Jennings has been doing a good job. Yeah, yeah, pretty good, pretty good. I mean, I like Jeopardy, but I re- I rarely catch it. Yeah, so that that's it and then uh
1: you know, just try and take it easy.
0: Yeah. The key is to is to uh head the stress off and not allow oh, yeah. don't just yeah. don't allow yourself to get stressed. Yeah. Um we have a pretty uh I don't know. We've cultivated a stress-free environment.
1: That's it. I mean, it t- that part takes work and maintenance like any Relationship, whether it's, you know, a marriage, a work relationship, those things, they take time and energy and work to get the best out of them. And yeah. yeah, we've been pretty lucky.
0: Yeah, I mean, prime example, this cabinet that we were, were working on with the coffee bar, um, we had uh, a little trouble getting the client to, to give us an okay on the hardware, which... Which delayed us and then the yeah. snowstorm hit. That <laughs> yeah, cut a day. So up. We're a week then behind. yeah, then the, the hardware didn't show up because of the weather and yeah. whatever. UPS said FU basically. So we're a week behind on this job. Yeah. Could we sit here and say, "Oh man, now we're going to lose out on a week's worth because we, there was not an extra week budgeted into it." No, the, no, but, but
1: yeah, we built another project. Basically, yeah. a small, we had we have small jobs. We just plugged one in, yeah, and we built it, and it's finished, and it's up on the up on the racks.
0: So what am I going to stress about? We're going to make a little bit less money on this job than we would have otherwise. Eh, yeah. You know, it's not the end of the world, right? That's exactly it. So but, we're not losing money. No. At least we don't think so yet. <laughs> so we'll we'll uh, you know we'll forge ahead. That's it.
1: That's a good question because it's always it's always important to keep keep uh, you know positive and mm-hmm. especially in today's times a lot of people are having a hard time keeping it together. Yeah. Um, with the quarantine and you know COVID fears and all these other things, people have lost their jobs with the economy shutting down.
0: Yeah, lost you know family members to mm-hmm. COVID. Sure. Don't be afraid to go uh, talk to somebody. That's it.
1: All right. Uh, You know, here's another question. Um, Every now and again, I'm surprised by something, but that's because, you know, we've been doing things for so long, they become rote to us. Yeah. But we forget, like, my (laughs) not knowing that a back would hold up my TV cabinet. Yeah. We forget from where we came. So this is from Danny S., and he's one of our patrons. Thank you, Danny. Yeah,
0: one of our newest patrons.
1: Um. He, he, he says, I seem to have a hell of a time getting undermount drawer slides to work well without a whole lot of fussing with them. Is there a specific process you guys use so they work on the first try? I've used Blum tandems and KVMUVs.
0: Um. I think as long as you, you keep in mind, like, those couple specific things, it's pretty cut and dry. Yeah. So you want to take your uh, opening and minus three-eighths of an inch. That's it. We're talking about bloom tandems here because that's for what we use. For inset, used. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's the same for, oh, for overlay, it? too. Yeah. So with bloom tandems, I can't speak to the KVs. We I, I've, I have some experience with KVs in the past and gross And the gross are the same as the bloom, as far as I know, in terms of this. Three-eighths inch. So let's say your cabinet opening is 24 inches. Your drawer box is going to be 23 and five-eighths. Yeah. So you subtract three-eighths of an inch from the opening. That's your drawer box width. Then you need to have a half inch. Um, you're basically the, the the sides, front and back of the drawer box, need to stick out a half inch below the bottom. Yeah. Um. So essentially you have a half inch... Wait a second. Yeah, there you... Getting news from my wife on a, a house we put an offer Uh-oh.
1: We interrupt this show for an important news beep, bulletin. Beep,
0: beep, 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 beep,
1: beep, beep, beep. Jeff's looking to buy his first home. There's one for sale nearby. Yeah, right across from my mother-in-law.
0: <laughs> that might sound like a bad no, thing. No, that's a good thing. But it's a good yeah, thing. Yeah, I like my in-laws. Um... So yeah, you need a half inch all uh, all around on all four sides, from the bottom of the sides and front and back to the bottom of the bottom, if you understand. The bottom, what I'm of, the, the bottom of the drawer box. Yeah. yeah. Um and then you need the notch on the back, which you can get the specs on that from Bloom. It's basically, mm-hmm. I don't know, an inch and three sixteenths wide or something like that.
1: Yeah, and that's you know, it it could be a little sloppy even and they still work fine. Those things don't have to be super snug on there. The one I mean, we use the ones for thick sides, the three quarter inch sides. Yeah. So basically, you just notch out up to the side there. Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, you can find all the the uh, specific specs on the size of those notches on the mm-hmm. Bloom website or on the KV website. And then for the little hole that there's a little pin that goes into the back of the drawer that keeps it from tipping mm-hmm. tipping out. Um, the easiest way to do that is just set the the drawer on the slides, press it in. It'll oh, leave yeah. a little mark. And you and get just a little dent in Drill that, yeah. a 5 inch hole, you know, whatever, halfway through the thickness of the back of the drawer, and uh, and it should be good. Yeah, you know... The clips go, you know, tight to the front and tight to the sides. We use
1: them exclusively, those blooms, and we really love them because they're so easy to work with. And they're made in uh, North Carolina? Yeah. Or South yeah. Carolina? Um, so maybe, um, Danny... Give us a shout. Let us know exactly what the problems are. Maybe there's just one little, you know, measurement that you've missed or something like that. But basically, we build the drawer box and we set the bottom of the drawer box so that there's a half inch reveal. This is the hardest thing to yeah, describe. It's hard to explain.
0: So if you're looking at a cross section, it's a half inch and then your dado for the bottom. Right. Basically. Right. Yeah. The drawer, the slide needs that half inch. To operate correctly. Yeah. It's essentially like the thickness of that mechanism is a half yeah, inch. Yeah. And maybe where you're having issues is that if you're doing inset, maybe the sides of the cabinet aren't flush with right. it. Then you need to pad things out flush to the opening of the um, face frame.
1: Yeah. Or if the if the sides are towing in or out, it'll create friction. Yeah. Um, So... Let us know
0: what specific problems you're having, and I bet we could help them. Yeah, yeah. We have um, most of the stuff in the shop is is side mount just because it's cheap. <laughs> yeah. But we have a couple of drawers that we just did with undermount, so we could show you. Um, <laughs>
1: we're we're Yankee thrifty. Yeah. <laughs> in the shop, we don't we don't get to experience all the splendor of the undermount. <laughs> Some yeah, only yeah, sometimes, yeah. occasionally.
0: <laughs> all right you want to read the next one yeah this is from uh, our buddy patrick S. i've been chatting with him quite a bit he's out in uh in the uk in i always when i'm talking to people from england i'm always like what do i say england britain uk he said england is what he would say first yeah. so he's uh he's out in england stokes and code joinery on instagram he wants to know on solid wood cabinet doors etc i'm keen to only do the shooting in by hand wondered if you could recommend the best plane for the job and also whether a low angle jack like the Veritas or Lee Nielsen would work well in that application so I asked for some clarification because obviously there's a little bit of a nomenclature uh difference there yeah yeah um he's talking about basically flushing up the face of a door where your rails and styles meet he doesn't want to use a sander there he wants to do it all by hand with a plane so uh what do you think
1: I have that Lee nielsen low angle jack the the big one mm-hmm. what's it about 10 inches or
0: yeah, it's, um,
1: is it the 62 number 62 yeah. or 62? 62. Yeah. I love that plane mm-hmm. and I've used it just for that purpose as well. Um, it cuts great with the grain against the grain across the grain and grain face grain. I like it because it's got good control, a lot of bearing surface with that. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> that's, that's something we could speak to uh, concretely, we'll say. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm always going to be partial to the Lee Nielsen just because mm-hmm. I per- I just prefer their stuff. It's all subjective. A lot of guys like De Veritas, a lot of mm-hmm. guys like Lee Nielsen. I've just, I've, everything I've tried, I preferred the Lee Nielsen for the most part. Um, now, something that I've been, you know, uh, seeing a lot lately is, really a low angle plane is no different than a standard angle plane unless you change the angle of your irons Mm -hmm. because a low angle plane is bedded at 12 degrees and the blade is honed to 25 degrees. So you get 37 degrees. Um, Does that make sense? Yeah. 37 Mm -hmm. degrees. Um, And a, uh, a standard bed plane is, um, what is it? 40, 40 degrees, 45 degrees. I forget exactly what it is, but it looks like about forty five. Yeah. You'd think that we that I would know this off the top of my head, but um so really the the angle of attack isn't much different if you're just using standard ground mm-hmm. blades. Um oh you know what it is? Most usually you're at thirty degrees, so you're at at uh, forty two degrees with a low angle and you're at forty five degrees because it's beveled down, so the only angle that matters is the frog angle, which mm-hmm. is forty five. So on a standard plane, you're at 45 on a low angle plane with a 30 degree bevel. You're at 42. Yeah. So what you can do is you can change the angle that you grind your blade yes. and get different cutting angles. So you can get a higher angle and be able to, uh, plane, you know, highly figured wood and stuff like that easier. But, um, if you're not going to change the primary bevel, then really it's the same.
1: Yeah. I think that Lee Nielsen, if I remember has a lower angle, bevel on it too on the blade i think it really oh on the 62 yeah Yeah, i think it really does cut it'll you know substantially lower angle Mm -hmm. in that in that respect um but you know we love the neil in fact i bought another lee neilson plane today even though it was back ordered i just i paid for it and you know my good faith was rewarded because it shipped out already so that'll be a little that'll be two weeks. So. Yeah, I got my eyes on a couple things.
0: <laughs> yeah, and you can get for like the Lee Nielsen. I think maybe just the four and the three. You can get high ag- high mm. angle frogs. Yeah, so you can go tip it up to like fifty degrees, or uh, they have three standard one in the middle and then another high higher angle. So.
1: So he he's asking us if if we think that plane is good and we say, Yay, yes. Yeah.
0: If you have a smoother already, like a number four, look into just getting a high angle frog, and then you mm-hmm. could you know, who wants to swap that out all the time, but yeah. um plus it's always nice
1: to have another plane. Yeah. If he's and if he's looking to get another plane, I don't
0: know why you're standing in his way. <laughs> just make sure you <laughs> grind. Check the bevel angle.
1: Yeah. See, if he was local, he could come by and borrow it. Yeah. You know, because we're like that. Oh, yeah. You That's your plane. You can lend it all yeah. you yeah. want. Well, you know. I ain't lending mine
0: out. You come look at it, but yeah, I'm not giving so, it to you. Select people, you know, <laughs> John
1: Peters, come by, you know. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's a good guy. He, he, can, he can be trusted. All right. So um, we'll move on. Testing the moisture content in your lumber. What do you find acceptable? That's asked by Ed J.
0: Ed Johns on Instagram. Well, Ed, uh honestly, we don't test our wood. Um it is something that we've thought about and I was actually looking, you know, a couple months ago at some moisture meters, some, you know, Wagners and stuff and uh we had the inexpensive one here that I gave away. Yeah, I mean, that was even a good one, a lig- lignumat. I think yeah, it's called. Yeah, it was,
1: you know, it was 130 or 40 bucks. Yeah. yeah.
0: Um but that was a pinned one. I'd mm-hmm. like to get one that's pinless. Um just because you can get, you know, better readings deeper into yeah. the wood and stuff and and not put holes in it. Although we use rough lumber, so it's not that big of a deal. But um, you know, everything we're getting is kiln dried. You don't know when it was dried, how long it's been sitting around outside, because, you know, none of these places are storing this stuff in in inside, really. Um and yeah. then it sits out in our woodshed, so like some of the oak we just cut up—it's definitely reached equilibrium, so it's not eight percent anymore. Yeah. It's probably twelve percent, thirteen percent. But we bring it into the shop and we mill it in stages, and we watch it. Um, you know, it's going to go into a home with unpredictable moisture levels anyway, because yeah. some people keep their windows open, some people keep them closed, with the heat on blast all winter. So it's it's hard to tell. So you just need to keep in mind the construction methods and and keep an eye on the wood as you're milling it. You know, pieces that move when you mill them are are going to move more than pieces <laughs> that don't. It's, yeah, it's like ingrained in the grain of the wood when it yeah, moves. Yeah, it's got
1: some memory to it. Yeah, and we we do quite a bit of work when we're surfacing the wood.
0: We we're very patient. Yeah, it's always two and three steps. It's a it's a time investment. It, yeah. It, but it pays dividends in the end
1: right oh yeah um i mean it's one of the reasons uh long ago i stopped getting s S lumber because there was all o- there was always a percentage of the wood that i just couldn't use because it would have a twist or a cup and there was no margin for error there i couldn't remove it without you know
0: diminishing the yeah unless the you're buying thickness. um five quarter and turning it into four yeah, quarter but at that well, rate you might as well four? just buy rough
1: yeah that's exactly it so We're pretty thorough with it. And I think the way you described it is best instead of just relying on the mechanical number, because that's, that's going to be affected with the climate and the change here in the shop and the client's home. Um, Just uh, go through the steps.
0: Yeah, it certainly can't hurt, but um, it's not a, a a cure all to just know, you know, an, an actual number. Yeah. That's good advice. You know, for example, we have a piece of cherry over here that, I mean, it, my God. <laughs> it's got a in a foot. It's got a six inch twist in one end. Yeah. And, huge. and a huge bow. Yeah. And
1: it's came out of the same batch of lumber. It was just the, this one board.
0: Yeah. On. And everything was stickered up. It's not yeah. like, it, you know, never got surfaced. Um, yeah. It, it still thinks it's a tree. That's why you buy extra. That's right. Got another question here from Dave M. Blugerson on Instagram. How often do you guys make lost cost prototypes for tricky designs like those feet? (laughs) He's referring to the feet on uh, over here next to me is the cabinet we're working on for the coffee bar. And it has these, um, I don't know what you would call them. They're kind of like a... Bun foot, cabrio, is that cabrio like a bracket, bracket foot. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, it came shaped, out
0: really nice. Yeah. It's a, a uh, splayed and raked foot with a design yeah, on a it. Yeah. A little chamfer. <laughs> yeah.
1: um, A diminishing chamfer. It's got several uh design features. It's kind of, I mean, because the secretary itself is a little bit of an amalgam of styles it's not a
0: straight it's like a victorian gothic yeah campaign uh yeah it's it's got a little
1: bit of a mishmash of things going on to suit the client um and those took a a few days to figure out and then a
0: few days to execute yeah i probably got about three and a half days in those four feet (laughs) but they look they look nice (laughs) they they're worth it
1: that's the thing you know, it, it's an investment in education
0: and all sorts of things. So... Yeah, and you know what? From the get-go, we spec'd just um, feet that we were going to buy. You know, yeah. that's what's on the drawing is a DXF file from a, a supplier. Right. You know, cherry feet. And um, I don't know. I was just like, well, we could just make them, right? Yeah. And <laughs> again, we could have spent the 600 and and bought them or... You take four days and make them. Yeah. It's kind of a wash. Yeah. But now we have feet that we made and learned a little bit. And the next yeah. time we go to do them, it'll be that much easier. Yeah.
1: So all the compound angles. They're, it's all slow going because you got to figure everything out. It's there. It's, it's not as straightforward as you think. Well, no. if this is at 10 degrees. Well, then this other angle must be 80. It, it's, mm-hmm. there's some sort of mystery in there. Um, we do that all the time. Um, You know, whether it's a prototype, whether it's a simple story stick, Mm -hmm. like for doors. uh, I almost always will cut a couple of small scraps to substitute as the rails so that I could space out my doors, you know, drive fit and make sure that, you know, once I uh, cut the tenons in now. when the doors assemble, they're all gonna be the right size um, yeah, we do that almost every time
0: yeah, i mean i I made two uh so when i we we needed four feet when I was making the blanks, I made six, and then I had two to um Jesus Christ, my ring doorbell constantly let me just take this off um made two extras that way I would have. Two to mess around with and figure out, you know, get my bearings. And they turned out completely (laughs) not right.
1: One looked like a bad elephant foot. Yeah. But you learned what not to do.
0: Right. And that's the thing is, you know, you got to work through the problem. Yeah. And, you know, you finally end up somewhere. And we didn't give up after that. No. If I had to make another one, I would have made another one. It's not. It's not the end of the world. Yeah. Um, For the Oak Chase lounges, we...
1: Uh, did a little two stooges routine trying to bend the first piece. Yeah. Knowing uh, full well it was going to be a comedy of errors. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what we did was the, that was like two or three times we did that with that first contraption. Yeah. Yep. Uh, until we said, all right, now we know what to do for the
0: real job. Exactly. Yeah. So we actually today, uh, we have off to the side over here two six inch PVC pipes, you know, eight feet long. The squirrels are battling today <laughs> I don't know why. There's a some sort of aggression uh, with the snow. So there uh, we have two pieces in one and three in the other of like three and a half by seven feet long by one inch white oak, quarter white oak. Mm-hmm. And we filled them up with water. So those are soaking. We'll soak those probably until, you know, this time next week or maybe even the week after. We got to see yeah. when we have time. We have to make our bending form and then we're going to steam Steam those and bend them.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's it. So we got uh, a helper in the shop now. Yeah. Our two pipes. (laughs) So (laughs) it's not just the two of us anymore.
0: (laughs) It's two of us and two pipes.
1: We got some chief help.
0: (laughs) Yeah. They're standing up over there and some soaking the pipes. Little brackets. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah. I mean, the short answer is all the time. Yeah. Anytime we're going to do something that we aren't sure about, we mock it up. Yeah, Mock yeah. it up before you fuck it up. I love That's that. That's what Wild yeah. Willie said. Yeah. Yeah. We mock up everything. Yeah. Reach out. Like when I was doing these feed, I was talking to Wild Willie and talking to, um, what's his name? Taylor. Still nappy out in Michigan. So I all the time, if I'm, I have a problem or we're scratching our heads, I'll shoot a message or send a video out to somebody oh, yeah. on Instagram and say, what the hell would you do here? Yeah, yeah. That's the thing about the community. It's it's
1: very uh, generous. Yeah. That's cool. Got one uh, from our patron Dave here. Oh, yeah? Uh, oh, what's he? Uh, he's asking, what type of feather boards do you use? Also, have you used any MagSwitch products? And if so, what do you think about them? Dave M.,
0: we have uh, like a mishmash of just random feather boards and shop-made feather boards. Yeah. Um, the typical plastic ones. Yeah, there's like a bench dog one in there mm-hmm. and then maybe a, I don't know, one that maybe came with like the bandsaw or something. Yeah. So they're just regular old plastic feather boards um, and then some, you know, ones that you make yourself, which are just as good, I'd say. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. a little bit better. Yeah. Because you get a little more flex so you can... I don't know, maybe it's just um, in my head, but I feel like you can get some more pressure because those plastic ones never seem to... Like, I want those things bending when yeah, I'm pushing the, up against them. Yeah, the plastic the, ones are more
1: like... Um, well, they're so rigid. Yeah. At least, the, like, the bench dog like one. Like, the
0: fingers are short. Yeah, yeah. Um, Although could, I am the guy that breaks the, the wooden <laughs> feather boards constantly, so maybe I'm going a little too tight. <laughs> we, we are lusting
1: after the mag switch yeah. feather boards. We want to try those. It's an expensive, uh, entry into it. We just haven't, haven't been able to pull the trigger on that yet, but we will.
0: Yeah. For like a hundred bucks, you get two of them, which I mean, it's really not that bad. Even, no. Even compared to the price of regular, what are feather cost? 20 yeah, bucks cause a piece or something. If,
1: if we're looking for hold downs and frictions and things like that, if we don't have it here already, we generally just make it. And, yeah. And we don't use them all that often. Yeah. Um, but they do look really sharp, oh, and we yeah. want them. Oh, so yeah. Oh, yeah. It's we, on the list. You're going to have to ask somebody else, Dave. I'm sorry about, you know,
0: hand impressions. Yeah. But actually, John, John Peters just started uh, working with MagSwitch. Oh, bit. So well, he's, uh, he's, I think he may have already put out a video, or, we, or maybe may he's have preparing We to see to. if we get, to get our hands on one of those. Yeah, I think he's maybe off, has a discount code. I'm not sure.
1: Ah, yeah. Check
0: that out. So... Anybody
1: out there? If you've had experience with the MagSwitch products, chime in. Yeah.
0: All right. Here's our next question. Uh, do either of you work on a lathe? What type of projects or hobbies do you like to do in your off time? That's from Alan M. Misfit Woodworking on Instagram. Yeah. I. Uh, you know, I worked on a lathe in
1: high school, and uh, that's that was the last time. So I'm 58, going on 59. <laughs> that tells you how long ago it was um started in my basement was it like foot like foot powered yeah <laughs> you ever see the guy well, yeah he steps yeah, up yeah it. oh yeah no this one this one was actually when i think about wood shop and metal shop back then like cuz i was a teacher i can't imagine letting kids loose like i was in That's metal shop well they don't shop. do it anymore we were Arc welding, oxyacetylene welding, and the, the little shit that I was like—I would go by like people would leave their station, I'd go and like heat up their their product. Project. They come. Weld
0: the wrench to the yeah, table. Yeah.
1: They think it was cool. They go to pick it up. You know.
0: Oh my god! So <laughs> you ruined it for people like me because when I was in school, shop was gone. i got yeah. rid of it.
1: Yeah. So we used to do all that stuff anyway. That I digress. I started in my basement. I just I had just enough room for the few tools I had. And so early on I made the decision that a lathe wasn't going to be part of my yeah. skill set and I would if I needed any round things, uh anything turned, I would I could purchase them because they're all readily available even way back in the old days. Yeah and um you know it it's just that was the decision and and i i carry that forward in my design thinking too of course not throwing lots of turned objects into the designs and you know craftsman prairie style stuff doesn't really have a lot of that either
0: yeah and like me personally i'm not a big fan of the aesthetic of things that are turned Mm -hmm. um there's certainly things that that are turned that I do like, but for the most part, um, I like more straight lines and stuff. So yeah. Uh, staked furniture, you know, as in like chairs and stuff that have legs that go through it through tenons that are wedged and stuff like that. You can do most of that by hand without a lathe, you know, you turn those tenons with a lathe a lot of times. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it hasn't been something that we've really needed. Not to say that I wouldn't love to have one and and learn how to use it because yeah. I would, You know, it's just another thing, as we say, you know, to have in the quiver, but um, just not something that we really need.
1: No, we could easily get by without it. and We're always trying to figure out how to jam another tool
0: in here as it is. Yeah. Yeah, we got we have one another tool coming that will go over here, the shaper. Mm -hmm. So um, we're already jamming something in here. Yeah, exactly. There's no where we put it over there. (laughs) I don't think it's going to fit.
1: I mean this this area in the middle of the shop is where we stage all the things that we're building. We have to like push everything out of the way, yeah, so we could do the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it'd be fun if we had a big shop and we had the time and um, you know the inclination. I think is already there to try and you know do stuff. Yeah, that yeah. I, I guess you know we don't talk about it, so it's obvious curiosity. So there's your answer, Alan. We we don't um so what about projects and hobbies in your off time um well hobbies is definitely music performing music playing music writing music um making solid body instruments mm-hmm. because <laughs> there's no money in that so that's a hobby yeah <laughs> speaker cabinets um was for a long time i was really heavily into the um the physics of subwoofers and designing subwoofers, you know, tapped horns and all that other cool stuff. Um, so, yeah, that those are my kind of hands on hobbies for woodworking.
0: Yeah, um, I'm a big fisherman. I don't get to do it as much anymore, you know, while running a business and having a kid and being married and all that stuff. Uh, but I do. Make it
1: sounds uh, like that's a... No, no. <laughs>
0: I'm not, I'm not bitter about it. I just don't get to fish as much as I used to. I
1: want to go on one of those fishing trips, yeah. and I don't even fish. It sounds so, so nice. Yeah,
0: I like to fish. Uh, all you know, I like to <coughs> fish in the the bay is right here. The ocean is obviously right next to that. Uh, I like to fish in river in rivers, salmon, steelhead, stuff like that. largemouth bass, whatever. Uh, any kind of fishing I like to do. Um, I did some hunting growing up, not as much anymore because I don't have the access to the you know the land and stuff. Um, so I'll get out maybe once a year to hunt. Um, aside from that, you know, I'm woodworking is my, both my job and my hobby. So it's like all woodworking all the time when I'm not here, I'm you know, either doing something related to the business, editing a video or the podcast or whatever, or, um, you know, reading or doing something else with woodworking.
1: Yeah, I mean, I started as a hobbyist, so it's, I kind of went, I never gave up woodworking as a hobby, so to speak. Yeah.
0: Yeah, like, you know, uh, Rob's house is here. (laughs) This is part of Rob's house. You know, it's a separate building, but. Like if if I lived in Rob's house, I'd be out here seven days a week. That's right, dicking around because It'd be a
1: little playpen over in the corner. Yeah, I mean,
0: I'd just one by one, just be building different things yeah. for the house and trying new things and hand cutting dovetails and whatever. Um, yeah, it's
1: a nice space for that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right, so you want to move on to the next one? Yeah, this this is a great question. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it really. It kind of made me laugh a bit. Um, and it's from Jeff, CT Vader, 1977, on Instagram. And he's asking, How do you prevent a lack of confidence or knowledge keeping you from trying something? <laughs>
0: It's a, Can you tell why I
1: think that's funny? It's a pretty
0: simple answer. Just don't let it prevent you. We we don't we don't ever let lack of knowledge
1: or no experience or, or confidence stop
0: us. I'd say uh, the lack of uh, confidence and knowledge actually um, propel us to try yeah. things. Yeah. Because Uh, that's the whole fun in it is trying to do something you've never done before. In fact,
1: like going back to the bending thing, we knew that was going to be a failure going into that first experiment. We just wanted to find out where the failure point would be, what the specifics of the failure would be. So that's the thing, you know, don't get hung up on it not going well. That's, That's why I think we're we're not uh, caught up in that cycle right. we don't really care if it if it doesn't go through on the first take no for the most
0: part <laughs> we know it's not gonna go right. right like i had people that messaging me when we were doing that bending they're like you got to do this and then it's like i i know all a lot of that stuff because obviously i did some reading mm-hmm. up on bending yeah. before but it's like we're trying to push the limits of what yeah, we're, yeah. what we're doing to see okay we only steamed it for an hour and 15 when really we should have done an hour and a half. Okay. That, so that was wrong. So you, you equip yourself with all of the things you did wrong the first time when you go into it to do it for real. Oh yeah. We could see, and the jig
1: was on a table with wheels and it was rolling all Mm -hmm. over the place and the
0: wood we could tell wasn't wet enough. Yeah. I mean, you learn way more from your failures than you do from your, 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 successions That's not successes successes yeah. yeah yeah um so don't be afraid to fail yeah just prepare you know prepare, prepare. for it <laughs> just know right. that it's gonna happen
1: <laughs> yeah i'm sure there are a lot of those uh like cliches and posters and everything with little kittens hanging on limbs that talk about um how you should keep pushing forward past the idea of failure hang in there yeah but um, the, this, the truth is you don't really learn as much if, uh, if you don't try. Yeah. So there you go. We're, 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 it's not that we're overly confident, but we never let that stop us. Uh, we know things aren't going to go well a yeah. lot of the time.
0: If it was easy, it wasn't worth doing. So, like Nike, just do it. What about those times
1: where we're just totally shocked because it did go well, like the first time? Like, can you believe that that just happened?
0: Then usually it bites you in the ass because then you do it and then something gets effed up. Yeah, yeah.
1: We can't we can't duplicate it. You know, Mm -hmm. we were lucky the first time. Yeah.
0: We got one from our buddy Randall M in Chicago, RM Crafts and Customs on Instagram. He's a repeat offender on the podcast. Um, what are your opinions on wooden screw vices? I'm building a new workbench and I'm not sure which vice to look into.
1: Hmm. Well, first off, Randall, we can't complain about our winters here. I had a friend who lived in Chicago for a while and I went to visit him. It was like late November and I, it was like another level of cold. Like I didn't know <laughs> cold could feel colder. <laughs> and I was like, how do you live here? Yeah, you know, The wind blowing off the lake and everything. Oh, my God. I've
0: seen like the ice piled up on the shore. Yeah. Or, yeah. Was that? That's Lake Michigan. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: Um, we have s- steel. I guess they call those Acme th- screw thread vices, right? We don't have any wooden threaded
0: vices in the shop, do we? No. Yeah, I don't know what you would call them. Just like it's not—is it considered a? It's not a moxon vice. No, I I think they call those those screws. I think Acme thread is just like the spacing oh, and stuff. Like yeah, the, it's one. It's whatever six turns per inch or. whatever. I see. I see. I didn't know that. Yeah, they're yeah. just like regular. Like you have a a, a Scandinavian style tail vise. I think right. that's considered. My tail vise is just the same as like the face. Right. The face vice. It's still powered by that one metal. Yeah, screw. yeah. It's yeah. just a screw with two guide. Yep. Rods, basically. Yeah. Um, I would say that. And this is coming from a place of zero experience. A wooden screw vice would be like, you know, driving a car with no power steering. Like, what's the point? Because cars exist with power steering. So don't you want the power steering? Like, is there an advantage or is it nostalgia or what is it? I, yeah, I don't, I mean, I can't see any advantage because... I Mean wood is a, a natural substance. I mean, not that metal's not, but you know, wood moves and stuff and yeah. requires. I wonder I mean, I guess they've been around
1: for the longest time. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. We don't know why one would choose wood over metal. I guess that would be the first question.
0: Yeah. In terms of uh what vices to look into, you know, I've heard a lot of good things about the um Veritas what do they call it the twin oh the twin screw twin screw vice yeah with the chain yeah yeah um bench crafted they make some beautiful like leg vices Mm -hmm. and stuff um h&t gordon they're uh, an australian company they make some really nice stuff again you could spend more on the vices than you can on the on the entire bench so yeah yeah um that, that's probably the advantage to wooden screws. You can get the tap and die and even make it yourself for that's, probably less than it would cost. to. That's
1: the- what I was going to say. Most of the really nice wood screw stuff, you see it's craftsmen making their own. <laughs> my, my wife <laughs> texting <laughs> Jeff. She knows we're podcasting.
0: <laughs> what does she got? Groceries? In Three there? bananas. We bananas got- for my son. <laughs> I got more bananas at home. I knew what to do with. <laughs> oh. oh, God. So, yeah, I mean, honestly, uh, Randall... I have zero experience with wooden screw vices, but, um... I'd like to hear why he's interested in the wooden screw vice. Yeah. I mean, I've seen guys like, uh... What's the guy's name? He's an English guy. He makes dovetail, you know, the magnetic dovetail guy. It's kind of like the Cat's Moses. uh, But I think he did it first. What the hell is that guy's name? Super skilled woodworker. He's built some vices, some benches with uh, wooden screw vices. Um... So I don't know. Yeah. I think it's a, a, a tough call. It's a good question, though.
1: Uh, for the next question we got here, this, this makes me think of um, that last kitchen job. Um, for insect cabinetry, do you make one face frame to cover all the boxes? Or does each cabinet get a face frame? That's from Terraform
0: Woodworking Co. on Instagram. Well, what we actually do is we build, we don't build individual cabinet boxes. We build these big ass cabinets. (laughs) Yeah. We build the biggest cabinet we can. So there's, there's the least amount of styles. Right. Um, so we might build a cabinet that's 60 inches wide. Right. That kitchen had two of them. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No, four of them. <laughs> That's right. The uppers were so, also one cabinet. The entire stove elevation <laughs> was four cabinets. <laughs> That's with right. a stove and a hood in the center. So the base there were two base cabinets and two uppers that were sixty like sixty, 60 inches wide. Yeah, yeah. Um, All singular box with partitions and fa- and one face frame. But
1: they install really well. Yeah, you know, we don't like
0: that double style thing no you know, that's oh um, no it's to me it screams like store-bought cabinet yeah yeah because they're made to be mixed and matched and okay we're gonna do an 18 and then a 24 and mm-hmm. then another the 18 yeah the no times. we just build a 60 inch cabinet and then we split it up however right. makes sense the times where i've had to do that I, i'll like maybe
1: add a little detail where the two styles meet like a you know a chamfer that goes Part of the way up stops from the top and the bottom. So it looks more uh, determined than just two cabinets butting up to one another. But we try to avoid that whenever we can.
0: Yeah, it makes install uh, easier in the way that you're just hanging one cabinet. Granted, you need more... More guys. uh, Yeah. (laughs) But... Yeah, but we, then there's no the, seams. Yeah, and...
1: once the doors are all off, yeah, because we're using those bloom hinges. You know, they just clip in and out. Um, for the most part, that's what we're doing. Um, and then you just hoist it up. Set. You put a cleat on the wall.
0: Yeah, yeah. If there's uh, going to be a backsplash, just put a dead man on the wall and just slap it on there. Yeah, yeah. You know, you could scribe in your uh, panels on the sides and your and your face frame on the side. Yeah. And you're good to go. I mean, it makes it super easy and clean.
1: Yeah. I think if you've been doing it the uh, way where, you know, every cabinet has a face frame, you'd be really pleased to to switch it up and go with, a you know, a larger box with fewer styles.
0: That's one of the things I hated the most out of build out of, because uh, I was a kitchen installer for, for Tom's shop. <laughs> the, and they the were elusive, all, all frameless, um, you know, you s- slap all these cabinets together and then if you were to put a line on them, they're not straight. No, on their man, own. It's like
1: a serpent's back. Yeah, it's one <laughs> is towed in now.
0: And, and um I mean, just brutal. And when the machines aren't set up, the uh getting them flush on the top because maybe the rail is slightly high on one side and low on the other. I mean, yeah. it's just it's easier to do all that stuff here and then just place one large cabinet. Yeah, it's easier for the The countertop guy. It's easier for everybody. I'm getting pestered today. Yeah, that thing is going off. I thought I muted the computer. It's over there dinging. At least it's on this time. (laughs) My God. (laughs) I'll pick up this next question while
1: you handle the fan mail. (laughs) Can you give some good in-depth info about the slider attachment on the saw stop? I have a shop fox table saw and I'm thinking of adding a slider to it. A true t- sliding table saw is not really what I need. That's from Justin D, known as Justin DePama on Instagram. Yeah, we could
0: could talk about it. Go Yeah, I mean, I don't know how in depth we can go. It's a pretty I mean it's a pretty simple uh setup. So this saw stop sliding uh table attachment, whatever the hell you want to call it. It's made specifically for the saw stop. I don't see why it wouldn't work on another table saw. I think you might have to, like... Drill some holes. Yeah, drill holes, maybe cut the fence tube or whatever, but maybe not even. Yeah, um, because it's laid out on the, like, wing attachment holes. Like, mm-hmm. we... I don't know if... Did we not put a wing on? or did, Yeah. Or you, you,
1: um, oh, you could or could... You could leave this wing off. Yeah,
0: but we didn't omit a wing, right? No, no. No. So the holes, you know, the holes line up with the saw stop. But if you have a shop fox, Grizzly makes one that's like what they call like a universal sliding attachment. So it'll work with that uh, because, you know, the shop fox stuff and the Grizzly is is the same thing, basically. Um, So it just attaches with a couple screws to the the wing of the table saw. It has two legs that go down. Um, It's got a ball bearing carriage that the Mm -hmm. thing rides on. It has a cross cut fence attached to that. I mean... It works nice we use it a lot all day i mean
1: what do you say are the good let's go over the good points and maybe some of the the not so good points of it
0: i'd say the good points are it's got a large reference surface in terms of the fence Mm -hmm. so rather than like a miter gauge where the 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 fence is only 18 to 24 inches wide you know this thing is it's actually you see it back here on the on the thing it's um i don't know what 40 inches wide yeah yeah it's so beefy it's, too. Yeah, it's bigger. Uh, yeah, heavier duty. It's got nice flip stops on it. And we had a pretty good miter gauge
1: at that, I mean, we still have it. We don't yeah. use it anymore, but it, we weren't going from just like a, a, s- a simple little handheld one with a piece of wood no, on it. No, it, it
0: was a Jessam Miter XL2. Yeah. Um, the, one of the other advantages about this is it has the locking po- uh, point is not the same as the pivot point like Mm -hmm. with the miter gauge you pivot it and lock it sort of in the same place so this has another it has it's like hard for me to articulate it has a a miter bar that goes into a slot and then it has a handle with a smaller miter bar connected to it that goes into an adjacent slot and that's how you lock it down so it's getting locked in sort of two points yes instead of being locked just at one uh so it's definitely a little more rigid Um, aside from that, I'd say the downsides are that it doesn't come on and off as easily as like a regular miter gauge. So right. you have to take back out two set screws and pull it out. Because um, it's locked in there pretty solid. Right, because it's attached to the the part of the table that moves. Yeah. So there's a fixed part and then there's a part that moves. So it's attached to the the moving table. Yeah. Um, But really, it's just... We what I did is I epoxied a magnet to the to the Allen <laughs> Allen. It's a screwdriver with an Allen head, and it sticks right on the leg there. So you just yeah, loosen them, pull adapt. it out. I mean it's quick.
1: You, my bench is right there. I mean we don't have a big shop, so usually if if I'm not
0: working near the saw, just it goes
1: right on my bench yeah. there. And uh,
0: yeah, we're sticking on the bandsaw over yeah. here, or or you know if we <laughs> like if we know we're going to be cutting a lot of plywood and we need it out of the way. Um, we'll just stash it away for the day or whatever.
1: Because that's the thing. If you're going, if the way it works is the, in its installed position, it's only about two inches away from the blade. So if you're going to do a rip, you know, you can only really just trim something. Yeah. Unless
0: you, you turn, you can loosen it and turn it. It swings to, you know, close to about 45 degrees, 50 degrees. Yeah. I think it says. Yeah, so if you swing it to 50, I think you get 8 inches on the left side of the blade. Yeah. So you could, you know, rip something with 8 inches extra. Right. Um, but if you're taking a 48-inch piece of plywood, you want a 24-inch rip, you got to well, take, gotta it, take off. it off. Yeah. And then the other thing is, the depending on which way you install it, we have it installed flush with the back of the saw. You can install it um, kicked back, but obviously then you have this ear sticking out Mm -hmm. so we get about 39 inches i think across cut capacity from the blade to the fence um you get 48 with yes with the other way
1: that's i mean the other thing i've done and i think you've done too is you can pull the sled all the way back and kind of stand in between Yeah, yeah, yeah yep yep um so it takes a little bit of getting used to as far as the you know the encumbrances i'll say it can be in the way at times but um by far, it's worth having Yeah. Um,
0: the the way it, it glides, the cuts, the repeatability. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it makes nice square cuts. I mean, we haven't messed around with it. It's got like in the detent, it's got like a little bit of slop when it's yeah. not locked down. But if you have the cursor in the center of the line and then you tighten it down, I mean, it cuts square. I yeah. just I check when I'm, you know, if I'm cutting a bunch of door parts, let's say I'm cutting all the styles i cut the first piece you know you cut one side and then obviously flip it to your stop i'll just check if it's square if it's square you just go ahead and start cutting a lot of times what i'll do
1: is if i'm being the guy that puts it back on i'll just grab one of our straight framing squares yeah and i'll just check it up against the blade just so i don't screw you
0: when you go to use it yeah (laughs) yeah
1: assume it's it's on there
0: Yeah, like I always assume that things are not square or not. You know what I mean? Like you're better off assuming that everything is out of calibration.
1: But just being me and you here, it's always easier to just kind of just do the extra thing so the next guy doesn't come along. Yeah. Not thinking, you know, screw up his part. Uh, Is there anything else we could tell him? I mean, if he's thinking about it. um, uh, So he's thinking about adding a similar sliding table to his shop fox table saw yeah um if it's as good as this one
0: i would say do it yeah we looked at the um if it's the grizzly one you're looking at we looked at that for the delta before we got the saw stop this one's
1: got a much bigger surface that slides i think um
0: it might be similar i think the um the saw stop one's probably about three times the price yeah (laughs) yeah at least double, that's for sure. Yeah. All right. That's not to say it's any better. No. It's
1: just, it's just you know, it's got the name attached to it. Saw stop is there they get a premium yeah. for the saws because of the technology, so right. You know, they can kind of bump up everything that goes with their saws. It's like the Festool accessories. Yes, exactly. The tools are what the technology and the engineering go into. But the the dust attachment shouldn't be twice the price.
0: (laughs) So we hope that that uh, held just. Yeah, yeah. Here's one. I'm going to let you go first because I need to think on this one. All right. This is again from Aaron Lyle from Atawan, New Jersey. He wants to know, what project do you think you learned the most from and why? Wow, Um, uh, I think
1: it's probably going to be this Chase Lounge thing Mm. because I never bent anything. And this isn't, you know, throwing a couple of thin pieces of wood into a steam bender. This is one-inch quarter sawn white oak. So this is going to, you know, be really a process uh, where, um, you know, there is c- catastrophic failure is is always just around the corner, yeah, um it, other than that i I would say it's been such a, a cumulative learning process over the years I can't recall except when I cut my first dovetail, <laughs> <laughs> not knowing how to put it together. I cut my first dovetails by hand because I didn't have a jig and you know, I got a book out of the library and I'm cutting them. So I do, you know, you, one side's got these compound cuts on it, mm-hmm. and the other side, it's they're kind of straight cuts. So I'm looking at them like, how does this go together? Now what? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it's going to be these this bending. I think is going to even after all this time, it's going to be the most profound uh, learning experience for me
0: yeah it's it's hard for me to put my finger on like the most you know what job i learned the most from um one that definitely sticks out is the uh the curved hood i built yeah for that kitchen in midtown
1: again more complex shapes and everything
0: yeah so like um this was a kitchen i i built um when i was working at tom's shop and i built the the hood just from like the architect's drawings like no shop drawings anything with just some like radius all i had was radius and and widths and height specs basically um so when you're making a curved hood it was curved on the sides and the face yeah so those corners are actually ellipses so i, I had learned all this stuff about that how um you know the angles aren't what you think they are and the radius like the, like the yeah the radius of the corner is not the same as the radius of the face and the side um and then just how to like granted it was made out of MDF. So it was like a laminated one eighth inch MDF like several times. And, you know, I built all the ribbing and stuff. So that was, that was a pretty cool one. Yeah. And it had, uh, you know, a seamless plum transition and corbels with a a floating shelf. And so it was a, it was a pretty complicated build. Um, and I, you know, they just kind of left me to my own devices, which that's how I preferred it anyway. But, um, you know, it was good to just figure it all out on my own.
1: Yeah, those shapes, especially at the corners, it, it's always tricky, right? Yeah. Oh, so that's how that comes together. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Thanks. Uh, thanks, Aaron. Uh, we had a this question. Uh, generally, we don't really read these in advance. Well, Jeff has to type them up so he sees them. Even then, I don't really. Uh... Yeah, we don't pay too much attention to it. But Jeff asked me this earlier today and i'd never heard of this um this is a question from nathan t tree of life woodworking on instagram nathan asks do you ever use the rip and flip method to have all straight grain um i'm gonna say i don't think i ever have i because i don't know what that is
0: yeah so actually i had to clarify with nathan because i i hadn't when I think rip and flip, like that's when you're cutting a thin piece and you like cut it halfway and then oh, yeah. pull it out of the saw and flip it around yeah. and finish the cut so you don't have to get so close to the blade. Um, So, rip and flip is, you said if you take like eight quarter flat sawn, rip it, and then you basically edge join the faces so that you have, you're making, you're essentially making quarter sawn or riff sawn stock out of flat sawn ah. in little inch and three quarter, or uh, you could do it with any, any width stock, any thickness stock rather. Um, So basically creating your own quartered or rift glue up out of uh, plain plain. So that's
1: what he's looking for is a quarter or or rift appearance on the face of this. Right. Like
0: so Nathan built this curved headboard. Imagine like basically like half of a cylinder. Mm -hmm. And he used all he used this technique to make it all straight grain. I see. When he glued it up.
1: Yeah. I guess I I mean, I could see something like that because you're going to have to glue up like a Coopered sort of thing to yeah, get that curve, right, but for us here, time i mean we're always doing this dance between time and uh I don't want to call it profitability, but um business sensibility we, we can't spend it's, forever it's a, mostly
0: just budgeting for the client like right the client's budget only allows us to take so much time for the right. job to complete it, the job you got
1: we got a hundred hours that we're being paid for now we'll generally spend 110 or 20 or 30 hours but we can't spend 200 hours right on and get paid for 100 and stay in business and still send little hunter to college
0: one day <laughs> no he's paying for his own fucking college just like I did, I'm still paying for it. Come on, Bernie.
1: <laughs> but that's that's it. So it would it takes more time. It sounds like to do it that way than to just yeah. buy the material the way we want it to look in the first place.
0: Yeah, like you said, like if you were doing something like a, a segmented uh, curved thing, a Cooper door, it makes sense because you're gonna have to cut segments anyway, right? Uh, but if we were doing something like a panel. We're just gonna buy quartered or riffs on stuff yeah well
1: that's the that's what we do I mean the the cost is in our labor the material is is a fraction of that
0: yeah I mean quartered white oak let's say we're paying seven dollars a board foot flat is gotta be I don't know five yeah so it's it's only twenty percent more there's no way thirty we can make that up no, no 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 it's it's much cheaper to just buy it and there's a lot more room for error there you know trying to glue up a whole panel of yeah yeah smaller pieces yeah that's i mean how many if you're doing a building a door how many glue glue joints you have there yeah yeah there's definitely
1: some some a larger margin for error so and more waste yeah the answer is no we haven't um i don't know if we're missing something it, it sounds like our methods uh, are suitable for us yeah um but I wouldn't mind hearing a little bit more about it. I mean, if it's a, a method with a name, I suppose
0: there are more people doing it. Yeah. He said that, um, <laughs> Matt Kenny, what's was name? Matt Kenny. I think MK, MK woodworks on Instagram. He's a big, big, uh, account who makes some really nice stuff. He said that he uses it a lot.
1: Yeah. Something that I, I've seen like, you know, in the stickly books where he would take quarter and miter it. Yeah. So that you're getting it. And so you're not getting that ugly, you know, the cathedral yeah. on, on one side of the like leg. On the leg. Yeah. Yeah. So I could see that working in, in an instant like that where it was
0: similar. Right. All right. I, th- I think we have. Uh, we a have f- a write-in question. Final question. This, yeah. this came in like, uh, I think, Wednesday night last week or something. So I, I almost missed it. Uh what would be your magnum opus as a woodworker to define your legacy Nick Nick Trayer on Instagram Man to just think that we don't even have a legacy I know <laughs>
1: seems, seems a little ridiculous Yeah to answer
0: I mean I would say um I would love to do like a whole home like a Green and Green kind of did or like you know some people had Nakashima in their whole whole house um, that to me would be to to be able to curate an entire home with a client and have it, you know, stand the test of time and somebody else buys it and all these furnishings stay with the house and something like that. I to me that would be my magnum opus. That's funny because that's
1: my exact same answer. Because yeah. <laughs> I think of like Frank Lloyd Wright. Yeah, yeah. And and that is it. It's it's like here's the Smith family, this is their house. I don't want to be, and not to be wasteful. I don't want to be constrained by time or money. Mm -hmm. I want to do the job and whatever it takes, it takes Yep. Uh, not to be self-indulgent at all, just to have the carte blanche to just, right, right. Let's, and that's exactly it. It suits the, the environment. It suits the people and it's, it's a it's heirloom in the truest meaning
0: of it. It goes with that house for generations mm-hmm. and generations. Yeah, like a Thorson house. Or, yeah, yeah. You know, something that people a hundred years from now go there and say, "Yeah, this is the the green <laughs> this is the Green Street house." <laughs> yeah, you know, they spent twenty years, you know, <laughs> right, making all this shit. Yeah,
1: right. Because I mean, think about how long it would take to do a, a you know something like that. Because you'd have combination of built-ins and inglenooks nooks and chairs and mm-hmm. dining tables and cabinetry and bedroom furniture and studies. Yeah. And,
0: I, I mean, all these little practical kind of things. Window little, treatments, yeah, yeah. front doors, back doors, uh, interior doors. And then you really, you know, get to pick and choose what, what do you want to do? I want to build a, a, a thing with all Cooper doors. So, okay, so we're going to do it. We're going to put right. it in this house. So, you know, it opens you up to be able to do anything that you want to do. Yeah. You want to build something that has all hand cut joinery. Okay, well, go ahead. There you go. Yeah. That's it. Our magnum opus. Yeah. So if you're listening (laughs) and you got boatloads of cash, I'm talking boatloads.
1: Yeah. Yeah. A good 10, 12 years to spare. Yeah. You got to
0: be patient. I was flattered. Our, our clients who were building this coffee bar for, and the, we'll build, be building them a Dutch door and and maybe some more stuff too. Um, they said that if they had won the Powerball a couple weeks ago, that they were going to put us on, uh, on retainer for yeah. five years. Yeah. <laughs>
1: that's a That's a awfully nice thing to say. Yeah. I said, that's the next best thing to us actually winning. That's right. That's right. Cause that's, that's all we want. Yeah. Um, That was a nice question. Yeah, you know, it's uh, it's always good to dream, and uh, it's I I mean, uh, doing this podcast is almost a little bit uh, like that. It's a little ethereal that uh, people give uh, you know two cents what we have to say and listen, and let alone (laughs) patrons. Yeah,
0: how about this? (laughs) all of you out there, what's your magnum opus right in. And then if we get enough, we'll talk about it next week.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's the one thing I would really like to encourage our listeners to do is reach out. Yeah. Reaching out and sharing with us uh, more of their own stories and things. So we, and we could pass it along. Yeah. So we're not just answering the questions, Mm -hmm. um, but you know, we're, we're spreading the, the good news and the info and, from you guys
0: out there too yeah yeah and like especially stuff to follow up any of these questions yeah, yeah. if we told you to do something and you did it and then yeah. it totally screwed you up or <laughs> yeah that's right yeah <laughs> you, you well, know you what? guys else?
1: said to- you know what else i'm curious about
0: do we have any female listeners yeah i i don't According to like the analytics that I look at, I don't think there's any. So we're like the
1: rush of uh, yeah, you know, of podcasts. I'm cool with that. <laughs> no, no male fan, no female fan. Yeah, well, nah, I'm just cool with being the rush. <laughs> yeah, because I like rush. I like rush too. <laughs> <laughs> there was a there was a long time there where they yeah. you know they didn't sell any uh, tickets to girls. That's for sure. <laughs> today's tom sawyer <laughs> that's the yeah, well yeah that busted him open broke it broke through uh so i'd be curious if there's a female listener out
0: there write in yeah we'd love to hear from you we won't share your name or information no, with any of these, no. these uh savage men that that yeah. also listen
1: we're cuz we're pretty open minded here i mean we had we had a woman working in the
0: shop yeah we talked to one day about um you know, because I had the helper, the uh, apprentice, who was a woman, and she was b- way better than any man. Oh, yeah, or... yeah.
1: Yeah, and with our, our small bits of experience we've had with women in the field, they <laughs> they really outpowered the men. Yeah. Forget about everything else. They they put the men to shame in basically all uh aspects, yeah. you know, the people that worked for us mm-hmm. anyway. <laughs>
0: Well, that brings us to thoughts on the beer of the week. Yeah. What do you think? It's good. I didn't get really any macadamia nut, to be no, honest. No, not me
1: either. I was a little disappointed in that. But it, it has what you might call a nutty
0: flavor. Yeah. But not in the way you'd think. No. And macadamia is a pretty distinct flavor. Like you're not going to get it confused with something else um but it was a good you know brown ale i do like this this kind of grippy label yeah it's like grip tape on the side of the can you can hear it on there um yeah it was good i enjoyed it i wish it was colder i don't know yeah whether we got hot snow out there or something but
1: (laughs) tool of the week in the description and on the website.
0: Yeah, probably not on the website anymore. We have the Amazon storefront on there. Yeah, um, if it's gonna be anywhere, it'll be on that. But definitely be down in the in the description. Um, just a lot of work to just add all these things to the website all the time. Yeah,
1: yeah. That, the websites. I mean, websites. It's it's not passe yet,
0: but there's there's different. It's a funnel to funnel people other places. Yeah, like we. I think we got a
1: a call from the website today was that yeah yeah for a door mm-hmm. doors seem to be bedford, uh bedford stuyvesant yeah uh, we might have to be reaching out to
0: um the doormeister yeah tim true <laughs> trade for a little Think we bit be building a door that you already built <laughs> not, not replacing one that you built but one that looks just Similar, like one that you built. yeah yeah, yeah we could we could definitely use some pointers there yeah you could advise us on the uh the logistics of just being there and parking and all that stuff mm-hmm the joinery around the, the arch at the top. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, everything. So, yeah, as always, you know, check out our YouTube page. Subscribe. Go to our Instagram. Give us a follow. Shoot us a message. Say what's up. Um If you want to help support the podcast, you can become a patron. So every week we do a after show for the yeah. patrons. We'll do about, uh, I mean, we almost did an hour last week. Yeah. So it's like you get like a whole additional <laughs> podcast, basically. <laughs> we must have had a lot on our minds. Yeah, we it went ne- like 50 minutes. <laughs> it never seems like it. I know. And we want to thank our gold tier patrons, David Murphy, Manny Sirianni, Eric, Dustin Fayer, Adam Pothast, and our newest David, Sh- I'm going to say Schumacher. It's spelled like shoemaker. Let me know how, if I'm saying that wrong. Yeah, we, because uh,
1: we've been uh, debating Dustin's last name for the longest time. No, even it's fair. Though, yeah.
0: Well, he, he said, said it's like mayor. Yeah, but we Depends don't know. On how you say mayor. I say mayor. Well, that's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I say potato. That's not how you say it.
1: <laughs> We're gonna, how about an informal poll for the listeners? Yeah, okay. How do you pronounce the word of M-A-Y-O-R?
0: mayor 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 how do you uh, say i can't think of it mayor that's that's not far from what i say i say mayor i say mayor no that's completely different. <laughs> that's a whole nother word m-a-y-o-r mayor may or er er like an er what how would you spell it if, the way i say it M e h r m e h mare or m a r e m a r e like a horse like mare. a female horse yeah that's
1: how right that's a mare mare there's not two syllables in that word mare do you see how you put two
0: syllables in there no mare right. mare mayor <laughs> all right <laughs> oh you know what something we should bring up we talked about this on the Patreon. Uh, once all this COVID BS is is over with, we'd like to do like a meetup. Oh yeah, yeah, we can't. You know, wait. Lo- local to us. Um, so if you're interested, let us know. We're mm-hmm. in uh, Monmouth County, New Jersey. We'd probably be doing it in the Middletown area. Um, you know, I can't obviously can't say when because we have no idea yeah. what's going on with the with the vaccines. Hoping to get our vaccines soon. We're tier one uh, C. Yeah, and they're they're on to one B. We're waiting. And we just signed up on another list, hoping to get it off of that one. So we'll see.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: We'll be guinea pigs for the rest of the folks yeah, out there. Yeah, I ain't got nothing to lose. <laughs> That's
1: the way we have nothing to lose. Yeah. At this point, come on. <laughs> yeah, I've been
0: lucky enough to not get sick thus far. That's so. right. Uh, That's right. Yeah.
1: Um. So I want to thank everybody. Be yeah. well out there. Thank you for listening. Thank you for participating.
0: Tune in next week, maybe we'll have our new machines and we'll be able to uh, talk about them a little bit. Yeah, They're, uh, getting yeah. loaded onto the truck as we speak, and soon we'll be Oliver. able to have guests again, too. Yeah, yeah, once we get our vaccine, then we, we can definitely have guests well, back to the guests. Yeah, that, that we're, we're looking forward to that. You can't, <laughs> yeah, we got Tim definitely, Ryan, who just had a, a little baby daughter, Ryan Massey. Congratulations, um, Tim from True Trade. Those guys will be on. Definitely want to have uh john on again oh yeah uh keith at two-bit probably wild willie if he's willing to make the drive again uh we got all kinds you of people manny like that. Back yeah, oh here. yeah definitely have manny on again we'll have to do a two-part for that one because we went three, <laughs> over three hours last time <laughs> <laughs> we we'll have to take off the whole day <laughs> i know it was Doc out i know last time <laughs> that was our first patreon uh, yeah. after show yeah and i think we did an hour for that I know it was we, like a four. Out, it was like we started at two, and then it was like six thirty when we left. I think we were warming up for forty minutes too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we hadn't seen Manny in a while, so that's yeah. why. Yeah, and hoping to be collaborating with Manny on a project. We're waiting to hear from the designer. Yeah, uh, our yeah. meeting went last week. Trying not to um, pester her too much, but waiting to hear. Uh, anyway, all right. <laughs> we'll see you next week. See you next week. Ciao.